<laughs> well, um, let's get to it, Joe. We're back. Yes, we are. Yeah, we did it. Uh, uh, yeah. Technical difficulties, folks. We did a whole episode, um, and my audio was trash. Uh, we don't know what happened. Something happened. It was very distorted, but yeah, we're doing uh, it again and it's going to be, it's good. We're excited. Uh, you know, I mean, it's it's as excited as we can be, you know, we're not going to lie to you. Yeah. We're not going to tell you that we're thrilled about this, but you know, maybe it'll be better because we had a whole practice episode. So, you know, it was like a dress rehearsal. Everything's going to feel this might, might be the best episode yet. It it could be, you know, you you never know. Welcome back to the only horror movie podcast with Nick and Joe. I am one of your hosts, Nick and I'm Joe. And, uh, this is a show where, uh, I'm a, a, a brand new horror fan. Uh, only, I mean, since we started this podcast, I've grown some, but Joe's a fanatic. He's been around. Oh, he's been in the game for so long. You know, since he was a teenager. Yeah, maybe even earlier. You know, I started pretty young. Yeah. And so Joe tells me to watch a movie every week and then I go watch it. And then uh, we come back and we talk about it. And uh, this week's movie is Tales of Halloween from 2015. Yeah, it's our first anthology. Yeah, dude. Which is a, uh, you know, kind of its own micro genre. Yeah. Uh, first, first, of, I think it's like the first I've seen. I don't know. The only, like, I think the closest to a horror, uh, to a, uh, like an anthology that I've seen is like, there's this movie called like three rooms or something, four rooms, mm-hmm. or maybe it's five rooms. <laughs> I don't know how many rooms, but it's but a, it's a number of rooms. It's a number of rooms. Any given number uh, you decide. And uh, it's got that guy who played Mr. Orange. Why am I blanking on his name? Mr. Orange and Reservoir Dogs. The guy who was bleeding out in the back seat. Um, blanking on his name, but great actor, really great actor, but he plays a bellboy, and then he goes into these different rooms and each room is is directed by a different director. It's kind of cool. I think that qualifies as an anthology. Hell yes. Yeah. And that's that's the one I've seen. Cool. Um, but yeah, I mean, this movie's badass. It's silly. It's stupid. It's fun. But it's good. If you don't like something, then you can always move on to the next thing and see yeah. if you like that one. Segments are nice and short. So, you know, if you're if you're not crazy about one, there's something different coming right up yeah some are really short others are what 10 to maybe 15 minutes long i think about 10 minutes max for these yeah 10 minutes max yeah a lot of them are shorter but um it's a really fun movie mostly the the actors in it are unknown mm-hmm. or uh yeah they're unknown um, and then you'll see a sprinkling of a few people that you've seen before and then uh it's a few uh horror genre legends and you know a handful of recognizable tv actors yeah yeah the most of the directors are pretty unknown too there's only a a couple who are kind of big names yeah before we get into it we should uh probably say hey guys follow us on you know social media we're on instagram we're on tic tac yeah tic tac yeah Yeah, tic tac you know that all the kids are on yeah Uh, (laughs) we're just fucking dumb old guys you can email us at the only horror movie pod at gmail.com i'm happy to say we got our first uh listener email from uh, Andrew S. from Charleston. Yeah, Andrew. Yeah, let us know. He's been listening since our first episode from Phantasm, which is awesome. We really, really appreciate that. That rules so hard. And he gave us some good suggestions for movies to do and also for um, some superlative categories to do at the end of the movie, which we are going to do starting with this episode. You know, yeah, Joe and I were talking about doing segments for a while, but we just never uh, we just never did it. We never landed on anything that we wanted. But um, yeah, we're going to do it now. And it's going to be it's going to be cool. Also should mention that uh, you can uh, see both of us at Frog World in L.A. on November 14th. That's right. We're going to be on the same show. Eight o'clock. Me and Joe and another Orlando friend, Big Tim. Tim Murphy is going to be there. He's great. Yeah. Um, The week before my wedding. It's the last stand up show as a single man. Yeah, man. That's huge. What's going to change? You're going to have all this wife material. It's going to be all wife material from from then on. That's great. I can't wait, man. Can't wait to see wife Joe. Transition into like a, a Borat style comic, you know. Borat. Yeah, a lot of my wife, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. Why did I not pick up on that? I Never was just picturing like <laughs> I, I was just picturing like Borat doing like hacky I have a wife uh you know, comedy and like a premium blend. That's oh, why man. why was I picturing that? Anyway, yeah, premium blend, that's it all. That's a dating Yeah, man, we're da- I'm, I'm dating myself with that one for sure. Um but yeah, man, that's great. And Joe's getting married and that's dope and have a bunch of friends in town and it's going to be a big party and you're not invited yeah. well some of you might be 
Yeah, some of you might be. I, yeah, some of you listening might our, be. A few of our friends and family members do listen to the show. Yeah. I uh, want to thank our listener, Rose, uh, at Hi Rose on Instagram for the hookup with the Fangoria magazine discount. Oh, uh, yeah. My first issue in the mail. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's like a horror uh, magazine, right? Yes, it is. Yeah, it is. it's like uh, the horror magazine, you know? Thank you, Rose. And thanks for being... Um, is her f- first name Rose? I, I think it is. That's what it is. Yeah. All right, cool. Well, either way, hi, Rose. Hello, Rose. Uh, thank you for listening to the pod and being a supporter and and listening to our show with a cup of coffee. It's very nice. Um, getting us uh, 20% off on Fangoria. Yeah. And sorry that this episode, there's very likely no way it's going to make it out Monday. So if you're listening to this, uh, we're sorry that it's a little late, but, uh, you know, it's just how it goes. Yeah. Uh, the, you know. the audio was fucked. Um, and we care about your ears. We do, especially, you know, I've had bad experiences with tinnitus. We didn't want to give any of you that. Yeah. Joe, Joe knows uh, all about ears. He's, his dad was an ear doctor. <laughs> yeah. We'll Sorry. Go with that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, man. But, um, you know, we're a little pressed for time and we don't want to go over here. So we should, we should probably get right into it. Huh, Joe? I think we probably should. Yeah. Yeah. Cause we, yeah. If we get into it now, we won't have to rush it. Yeah, I agree. All right, let's do it. Then uh, tell us about Tales of Halloween, Joe. Cool. So the movie is, like we mentioned, Tales of Halloween from 2015. Uh, It's an anthology created by Axel Carolyn, who is an actor and director um, and who who, uh, directs one of the segments as well. Uh, It's got the main title music composed by Lalo Schifrin, who has uh, done the music for 160 so movies, including the Amityville Horror. It features Adrian Barbeau as the DJ. And we'll say, folks, if you don't remember, Adrian Barbeau was the DJ from The Fog. Yeah, she was uh, Stevie, I think. Stevie, and uh, she's great in that movie, and um, she's just my type, and I would like to marry her back then. That's understandable. I mean, John Carpenter felt the same way. Yeah, John Carpenter, good, good, good taste, that guy. So it's a, like I said, it's a comedy horror anthology film consisting of 10 interlocking segments by different directors that revolve around the titular holiday word. I don't usually say out loud titular. Right. Yeah. Titular. We don't like that word here in the only horror movie podcast. But uh, so Axel Carolyn initially pitched the idea of doing a Halloween centric film that took place in the same town on the same night at a birthday party. The segments are done in the tradition established by EC Comics, who published uh, Tales from the Crypt, as well as a lot of other genre stuff in the 40s and 50s uh, and inspired a lot of different in horror anthologies like Creep Show, Body Bags, VHS, Horror Noir, Tales of Halloween, of course, and the Mortuary Collection, among others. The Mortuary. Mortuary? Sorry. What? The That's mor- the-, okay. the. The Mortuary Collection. Yeah, I don't like mortuary. I, I think it's another word we don't like here on the podcast. Mortuary. I like mortuary it. Mortuary and titular. Yeah, mortuary is not that bad. Uh, that no, sounds, I don't like it. That sounds like a late 80s death metal band. Uh, yeah, that's why I know. Sure there is one called Mortuary. Yeah, totally. Of course there is. Um, but yeah, yeah, that rules. Yeah, cool. Well, uh, let's get into it. All right, we're gonna get into the plot. You ready? I think so. All right, folks. This is Tales of Halloween from 2015. Uh, we open on like a credit sequence. It's kind of like the framing device for the entire movie, right? We open on fluttering calendar pages being torn off until they hit 31. We transition to a radio DJ, Adrian Barbeau, talking about how on October 31st, witches and devils, imps and monsters roam our town. An animated title sequence moves around the town, introducing each of these segments and their directors. Uh, the image of trick-or-treaters, aliens, ghosts, and monsters in different locations around the town appear like pages in a pop-up book. The title reads, The October Society's Tales of Halloween. And our first short is Sweet Tooth. Yeah. Sweet Tooth was written and directed by Dave Parker, uh, who is a director and editor. He's known for The Dead Hate the Living, The Hills Run Red, uh, The Hills Run Red, and It Watches. Personally, have not seen any of those, but I might check them out. Okay. Uh, this one is stars Austin Falk, Madison Iceman and Daniel DiMaggio. Yeah, all those people that you know that you've heard of. All right, so we open on a house while the DJ warns everyone to keep their wits about them and check their candy. A kid, Mikey, is dressed as a pirate and gorging Halloween candy. Night of the Living Dead is playing on TV, which you can also see on our podcast. We have a whole episode about it. Uh, His babysitter and boyfriend enter and warn Mikey to leave some candy out for Sweet Tooth. 
They tell him the story of a boy named Timmy whose parents wouldn't let him eat any candy after trick-or-treating. We see the story play out as they tell it. One Halloween, Timmy snuck downstairs to find his parents eating all his candy. It's weirdly sexual. They're feeding candy to each other like an erotic chocolate porn. It's real... Uh, just inappropriate, Uncomfortable Joe. Uncomfortable <laughs> scene to watch, honestly. It's very... Uncomfortable scene to watch, especially with the kid watching. It's kind of like... Yeah. You know, it, there's a mo- there's a movie called Antichrist. Have you seen this? Oh yeah, the Lars von Trier movie. With, uh, yeah, that movie Defoe. opens with a little kid uh, seeing his parents fuck in the shower, and then he jumps out of a window. <laughs> they uh, funny thing about Antichrist is uh, <laughs> they uh, had to use a stunt dick because Willem Dafoe's dick was too big. Too big. Yeah, if you actually you can Google uh, that. <laughs> He, he's got a big old swinging cock, folks, if you want to go see it. So anyways, this is not about um, Willem Dafoe's cock, guys. This is about Sweet Tooth. So Although Timmy we watches. talk about it all day. We could. It's that long. So Timmy watches as they do a Lady and the Tramp on a Reese's Cup, and they make out. Uh, Mikey asks the babysitters, what did he do? We see that he murdered his parents with a meat cleaver. That's what he did. The babysitters explained that Timmy had his first taste of candy and was hooked. He kept eating all the candy until it was gone, but he wanted more. So Timmy, where would he get more candy? Let's find out, Joe. Timmy rips open his parents' bodies and eats all the candy from their stomachs and guts. The babysitter's boyfriend explains to Mikey that if he doesn't leave candy out for him, Sweet Tooth will come and take all of it. All of it. They send Mikey to bed and he leaves a carpenter bar out on the floor. Now, now, Joe, what, what is a carpenter bar? Candy bar that tastes like wood. Hell yeah. So... Meanwhile, downstairs, the babysitters eat all of Mikey's candy. Unable to, unable to sleep, Mikey hears a deep demonic voice outside that says, Trick or treat. Uh, we see the boyfriend sleeping on the couch. Again, we hear the voice, Trick or treat. A demon voice. Demon voice. Very spooky. Before he looks up, he sees a zombie-like monster in a clown suit reach its arm down his throat. The other babysitter comes downstairs to find her boyfriend slumped over on the couch and turns him over to find his guts ripped out of his mouth. Cut to a wide shot. We see her stand up and look around before Mikey calls out to her. She turns and heads upstairs. And as she crosses the doorway, we can see Sweet Tooth is right behind her. It's a pretty good jump scare, right, Joe? Yeah, in the style of The Exorcist 3. Yeah, a movie I haven't seen. seen. That has one of one of the best jump scares of any movie. Hell yes, I'll be anticipating that one day. Pretty good sequel. Uh, so Timmy is under the bed as the babysitter screams. His door opens and a bloody clawed hand reaches in and grabs the carpenter bar. Mikey's parents come home drunk and horny, ready to fuck, only to find out that the babysitter and her boyfriend had their guts ripped out. Mikey turns around and says, "They ate all my candy," and we cut to black. It's the end of that. They one, probably Joe. think Mikey did it. They probably think Mikey did it because he was right there staring at the uh, dead babysitters. And then he turns around and uh, it looks like he, I mean, it's just a, he caught red handed. Yep. Although he's not very bloody for someone who ripped all the guts out of his babysitters. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So well, maybe they'll do their detective work and Mikey will turn out okay. Yeah. Yeah. We have a lot of faith in the police on this podcast. Yeah. We have a lot of faith in the police. We are both bootlickers. Big um, A cab. We say all cops are beautiful here on the podcast. <laughs> Yeah, all cops are uh, busty. I can't think of another B word. Busty and beautiful. So, yeah, I thought that was a pretty good short. I think so, too. Yeah, it was good. It was it was quick and to the point, and it's probably one of the most gory of the, probably the goriest of the shorts here. Guys, guts ripped right out of his mouth. Yeah, straight out of his fucking mouth, man. Probably was uncomfortable. Yeah, probably didn't feel too good, uh, but it's probably short-lived, you know? Probably didn't have to go yeah. through too much pain. God bless him. R.I.P. R.I.P. Brother. More of the story, you know. Leave some candy out for Sweet Tooth. He's like an evil Santa Claus. Or instead of uh, you know leaving milk and cookies, so we'll give you presents. He just doesn't rip your guts out if you leave candy out for him. Yeah, I think that's a pretty good give and take. The next one is uh, the Night Billy Raised Hell. Tell yeah. us about it. Night Billy Raised Hell was written by Clint Sears and directed by Darren Lynn Boosman who will know from uh, directing Saw 3 through 5, Repo the Genetic Opera, and Spiral. He also appeared in the first Saw movie as, uh, I forget his character's name, but he was the photographer who was uh, locked in the basement with uh, the guy from The Princess Bride. The guy from The Princess Bride, yeah. The guy who isn't the guy from The Princess Bride. Yeah, he's the other guy. Yes. And this one stars Barry Bostwick, Marcus Eckert, Christoph Zajac Denek, Ben Stilwell, Natalis Castillo, and Adrienne Curry as herself. 
Yeah, we all know Adrian. Mm-hmm. I had actually never heard of her. I don't know who she is. Okay, let's do it, folks. So we cut to a high school-aged couple dressed as a punk and a cheerleader walking with her little brother, Billy. Nine or ten years old, this little Billy guy, and he's dressed in a devil costume. Yeah, and this is the worst punk costume I've ever seen. Very Party City, like out of the plastic bag, fake yeah, mohawk and everything. Yeah, we call these kids posers in high school, Joe. Yeah, we would have beat their asses. Yeah, we would have beat the fucking, kicked their teeth in. Me and you. So... The boyfriend is giving Billy shit, asking, hey, is your mom going to wear that slutty Catwoman costume again this year, you you little motherfucker? And the kid just wants to go trick-or-treating, but the boyfriend says he'll have to do some Halloween pranks with him. Uh, The boyfriend says that Billy has to egg his next-door neighbor's house, and if he doesn't, uh, he's going to tell everyone in his school that he pees his pants, which would be mortifying. Yeah, he calls him Captain Pisspants. Yeah, Captain Pisspants. Not the most creative name, but for a kid that's... That'll cut deep. Yeah, that's rough. It's weird that like a high school age dude is bullying a nine or 10 year old kid, but I I guess it happens. Yeah, well, he's a punk rocker, man. You know, he's just like, doesn't give a fuck. That's true. So Billy goes to smash an egg on the door of this neighbor, Mr. Abaddon. But just as he goes to throw the egg, Mr. Abaddon opens the door and catches it right in his hand. And then the boy freezes and he doesn't move. And then the, 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 the sister and the boyfriend run away. And then he throws the egg and it hits the boyfriend in the back of the head and he falls down to the ground. Wait, just leave your little brother. Totally leave this little brother as this like very spooky, scary looking fucked up man answers the door. Right. Yep. So Billy says to Mr. Abaddon that he's sorry. But Mr. Abaddon, who, by the way, has horns and looks like a demon, yells at him to be quiet. And he says he's going to learn a thing or two about a real Halloween prank, right? He also asks if uh, Billy's mom is dressing up again this year. Sounds like everybody's trying to fuck this mom. Yeah, you know, we were going to get a shot of Billy's mom, but they they don't... Yeah, we never see her. No. But um, maybe there will be another anthology where we get to meet Billy's mom. So Billy and Mr. Abaddon go out trick-or-treating, and there's a little montage, right? Billy knocks on a door. A man dressed as a dentist gives him a toothbrush. But then Mr. Abaddon takes that toothbrush, and he whittles it down into a little, sh- like a prison shank, hands it back to Billy. Billy knocks on the door again. Or this, this dentist opens the door, and then he shanks him right in the stomach, killing yeah. him. But, I mean, that's what you get for giving out toothbrushes on Halloween, you fucking scumbag. Well, it's also, it's like a little bit of a fan, a fantasy, you know? It's like when you were a kid and people would give you like toothpaste and stuff. This is really what we all wanted to do. We wanted to shank them in the stomach to death. Yep. So, uh, next, Billy pours gasoline on his own family's Halloween decorations in the yard. And his sister comes out. And she's like, what the hell are you doing? But then he throws a rock at her face. And then he lights all the decorations on fire. And now we have a quicker montage of Billy and Mr. Abaddon terrorizing and fucking up the neighborhood, right? So, they, they trip trick-or-treaters they steal their candy at gunpoint they rob a convenience store they steal a car from tv personality adrian curry this lady that we all know and then they chase kids with the car running them over they tag garages with billy's name and they leave flaming bags of dog shit with a bear trap underneath on a guy's doorstep so he walks out catches his foot in a bear trap and then starts catching on fire i mean brutal brutal because then once you get your, your foot caught in that bear trap then you can't get it undone because it's on fire, you know? That's, yeah, that's what we in the biz call a double whammy. Yeah, it's a double whammy um, and the worst the worst kind of double whammy, folks. So they finally return home. When we get back, we see that the actual Billy the boy was tied up in a chair. Because I don't know if, you, if I mentioned this before, folks, but Billy was wearing like he had a mask on. We find that the person that he was running around with, Mr. Abaddon, was this uh, this like demonic little imp named Mordecai. So... They let Billy go, and Mr. Abaddon says that uh, his mom will have a lot more free time now, and he plans to take care of her, and he makes this like creepy licking gesture with his tongue. Uh, Billy walks outside, surrounded by cops, who scream at him to get down. Billy pees himself, and then we cut to black, and we hear gunshots. And uh, it's my favorite moment of the entire movie, because the cops come up, and it looks like he's kind of like done all the crazy shit, but... Um, the thing that makes him them shoot him is that he pees his pants. Yeah. And it's just incredible. Yeah. They get, he pissed himself and then they just open fire. Yeah. It's a fucking beautiful ending. It's the best ending that you could come up with for this short. Yeah. And wow. What an M. Night Shyamalan level twist that it was not Billy out yes. doing those pranks, you know? Yeah. I don't know how you write this stuff, but some people, they just got it in them. Yeah. You know? 
you could have been fooled. Yeah, and that's uh, that's the thing with uh, anthologies is usually they're kind of like uh, sort of little morality tales where it's like uh, a person does something shitty and they get killed in a horrific way. Uh, yes. Yeah, it's the case with Creepshow. It's the case with uh, you know body bags. So uh, I guess the moral of this story is it's better to be known as Captain Pisspants than to become Captain Pisspants and then riddled with bullets. I agree with that. And I also like that the first two stories that we open with are uh, with kids either going to jail or getting shot yeah it rules the horror genre does not give a fuck they will <laughs> no they, they don't give a kill fuck the kids they will kill the dog they don't care yeah i'm not a big fan of the dog killing but the next story we have here joe is called trick yeah trick was written by greg commons and directed by adam Girash, who is known for autopsy and the 2009 remake of night of the demons coincidentally our next episode will be the original 1988 Night of the Demons. Ooh. Uh, this one stars John F. Beach, Tiffany Shepis, Casey Ruggieri, Trent Haga, and Mia Page. All right. Don't okay, know who folks. Those people are. We don't know. Who. We don't know who they are. They, I mean, they're the people from this segment. You might know who they are after watching this. So two couples in their 30s are hanging out and watching Night of the Living Dead again, drinking, smoking weed, and handing out candy to visiting children. There's a knock at the door and one of the guys, Nelson, answers to see a girl in a witch costume is standing at the doorstep, staring at him quietly. He drunkenly says, trick or treat. And the other friends are like, it's not what you're, you're not supposed to say that. It's what the kids say. And then suddenly the little girl pulls out a knife and then stabs him repeatedly in the gut. The girl says trick. And then she walks away as he stumbles back inside, bleeding out of his abdomen. The others freak out and try to help Nelson while one of the women runs to the car to take him to the hospital. When she gets to the car, she fumbles with the keys before someone reaches out from under the car and slices her foot. She falls and kids in costumes surround her and begin hacking the shit out of her whole body. They are just hacking her the fuck up with these. Really? Knives. Yeah, really going to town. Um, the other two are helping Nelson when they see their injured friend in the backyard stumble into the pool. The one remaining man in the group goes into the dining room to find a girl with a makeshift flamethrower standing on the table. She lights up a blowtorch and sets him on fire. He falls to the floor and she jumps on top of him, pours rat poison into his mouth and then tapes it shut. The last woman left runs into the back of the house. The last woman left runs in the back of the house. Uh, the kids are walking around looking for her, searching. Uh, we see the woman is in a room that's lined with plastic. She's deleting gory photos from her phone that are like of her and the rest of the group of, of people from the beginning dissecting a child and playing with their guts. Yeah, it's pretty fucked up. Yeah. Yes, it is. They're so the guy, what's that? I was just saying they're covered in blood. and Covered in blood, holding the eyeballs and stuff. We're wondering what's going on here. We don't know what's going on here. What do these fucking people do? So the kids walk in and turn on the light to reveal that there's a young girl strapped to a table and one of her eyes has been gouged out. The woman cowers in the corner. The kids release the girl uh, who's strapped to the table and they surround the cowering woman. The girl with the one eye says, happy Halloween, you fucking sicko, before burying an axe into her head. And then there's a montage of photos of torture instruments and child victims before we cut. And that's the end of that one, Joe. That's just kids getting revenge on the local serial killers, you know? Yes. And we got a little redemption for the kids here. First two start with kids getting shot or taken to jail. And then we got uh, we got these murderous fucking bloodthirsty revenge kids yeah these kids are just out for justice like you know charles bronson or john wick or somebody yeah dude you oh know? dude you know what would be great is a john wick with kids i'm gonna actually get to work on that as soon as we're done recording <laughs> this uh yeah one thing I, I i like about this one is that uh the lady who uh she goes outside to get the car and she gets hacked like there's five kids with weapons and they're just hacking away at her right but then when we cut to her stumbling toward the pool she is Totally fine. Not a scratch on her. She's just like holding her stomach. Yeah, there's, I mean, these kids are taking like machetes, knives, hatchets, and just like destroying this lady's entire body and face. And then, uh, and then, yeah, when we see her, nothing. She just falls into the pool. Like she, like maybe, it looks like she like sort of maybe got stabbed in the stomach. Maybe. Might have, or she might just have a cramp, you know. Exactly. But then when she oh, falls in the pool, stuff. she's she's bleeding all over. Yeah. So we were thinking maybe a continuity 
error or maybe there's a scheduling issue and they had to shoot that later or before or whatever but or yeah. a budget problem with like we don't have the we don't have the makeup budget it stuck out i don't always notice that stuff but this one definitely is pretty noticeable and then she appeared right afterwards so you're it's like fresh in your mind yeah and you're like how did she get back up but you know whatever <laughs> to suspend uh, yeah. the disbelief i guess yeah We'll let it slide. Yeah, we'll let it slide, but not, not, no more. This is where you're one strike. Uh, all right. So the next one is called The Weak and the Wicked. This one is written by Molly Millions, directed by Paul Soleil, who is known for Grace, Bullethead, Tread, and Clean. Again, not any movies that I am familiar with, but you could check those out. This one all stars right. Keir Gilchrist, Grace Phipps, Boo Boo Stewart, and Noah Segan. Nice. I recognize Noah Segan from stuff. I've seen him around. Okay. But I don't know. All right. Well, let's get into it. We hear a DJ. Now, here's a tale for all you hood rats from across town on the wrong side of the tracks. Keep your heads up and your butts down because the weak need all the help they can get when the wicked come out to ride on Hollow's Eve. We see a nerdy guy in a cowboy costume by a dumpster in an alley. Uh, he shoves candy into his mouth when two tough-looking, dirty dudes pick him up and pin him against the wall. A girl in a leather jacket walks up. The dudes take off his shoes, and he begs as uh, the woman holds a lit cigar up to his bare foot. But before she can burn him, they're suddenly spooked by a shadow from down the alley. They turn to see the stranger dressed in a helmet with big horns, a weird jacket covered in trinkets and shin guards. There's letters carved into his forehead. When they approach, he hands them a drawing of a big horned demon. The stranger says, it spills blood. It spills the blood of the wicked where the wicked have harmed the weak. Uh, unimpressed, the gang knocks his helmet off. The stranger runs away, but the gang get on their bikes and chase him through the park. He climbs a wall and ends up in an alley and stops to see this burnt trailer. We flash back to a young boy in a bunny costume looking at a burning trailer. Three kids with skulls painted on their faces stand behind him as he watches it burning, and these kids are smiling. The boy says, Mom? Dad? As the trailer continues to burn. Cut back to present time. The gang realizes the stranger is the same kid from that fateful night. The woman tells her dudes to hold him down. And the stranger says, when the word is carved in flesh, the call is sent. Return them to the location of their offenses. The gang doesn't listen and they start beating him and pouring liquor all over his body. They step back, preparing to light him up. And the woman says, there are no monsters here. Just me. When suddenly the two dudes are pulled out of frame. She turns around to see a giant horned demon wearing an apron made out of human skin. The demon lets out a horrifying growl as the stranger looks on. The woman screams as blood is splattered all over the stranger's face, and we cut to black. Yeah. This one, I'm still kind of wondering what the guy was doing at the beginning, because it's just like a, he's like an adult, and he's just like crouched over in an alley by a dumpster eating Halloween candy. Yeah, that doesn't make sense at all. Um... Like, it would maybe make sense if he were, like, uh, you know, an, an unhoused individual, you know, and a, a homeless fellow. But it just seemed like he was a kid who maybe stole some. I mean, you really got to make up a crazy backstory for this guy to make it work. Yeah, it was, it was that was strange. And then, like, uh, I just enjoyed that the, the three, uh, you know, like criminal, you know, bullies, uh, they definitely looked like like musical theater kids who were dressed up to look tough. Like, yeah, they were they were not intimidating at all. No. Uh, they were attractive and the, the lead woman was, uh, a gorgeous model with really just the most beautiful, stunning eyes. She was, she was pretty good looking too, almost too pretty to be scary a little bit. I think too pretty to be scary. They had like, uh, they had like dirt rubbed on their faces to like make them look tough, but it clearly totally. just looked like a makeup artist put fake dirt on to try to make them look. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. This one was okay. Yeah. It was, it, uh, was it bad? <laughs> I I don't know if I would go so far as to say it was bad. It's not my favorite. Yeah, this one was okay. It was a little odd. I didn't love it. But, uh, you know, what's the moral of this story, Joe? Moral of this story is, you know, don't light innocent people on fire because they may summon a demon. Absolutely. And maybe don't kill parents. Maybe just don't bully people. Yeah, don't bully people. Don't, don't set parents on fire. Yeah. That's what we believe here on the podcast so the next one is called grim grinning ghost joe yeah so grim grinning ghost was written and directed by axel carolyn who that's our lady that's the one who uh who pitched the whole idea for this thing she's an actor and director known for the movies soulmate and the manor 
as well as directing episodes of American Horror Story, Creep Show, and The Midnight Club. Uh, this one stars Alex Esso, Lynn Shea, Barbara Crampton, Lisa Marie, Mick Garris, and Stuart Gordon. Okay, a group of friends, all dressed in costumes, sit in a nice living room as a woman in her late 50s, or a woman in her 50s, we'll say. She's dressed as a gypsy, and she's telling a story about why they wear costumes for Halloween. She says, Mary Bailey was a woman who was laughed at and bullied her whole life because of her disfigured face. And now she comes back to taunt the living. This isn't me reading her story direct quote, but that's the whole gist of it. Pretty basic revengeful, revengeful if, ghost story. Yeah, you get it. If you're alone and hear an evil cackle and footsteps, don't turn around because if she finds you, she'll if she finds you looking, she'll take your eyes. One of the women looks on terrified before another woman in a witch costume sneaks up behind her and scares her. Bah! And that woman in the witch costume is Barbara Crampton from Reanimator, From Beyond, Castle Freak, Lords of Salem, You're Next, Jacob's Wife. Right on. Genre legend. That's that rules. So later, the frightened woman is driving home. Her car breaks down, so she begins to walk, passing a lot of creepy decorations and a few drunk people before walking right into a ghost decoration. And she exclaims, Mary Bailey bullshit. Big mistake. Big mistake. You shouldn't have said that. She walks alone down the foggy street and hears a cackle in footsteps. Terrified, she walks on, doing everything she can not to turn and look around. When she makes it home, there's a, you know, she's, she's tripping and fumbling with her keys before making it inside. Later, she's brushing her teeth and getting ready for bed. The door opens, but it's only her little dog, Baby. And there's a couple of faux jump scares here. Stuff that you think is going to be a jump scare, but then they don't do it. Yeah, there's the classic uh, brushing your teeth and then you open the medicine cabinet and, oh, is it going to be behind her? But it's not. It's not. Oh, we like that. We like a misdirect, folks. So now she's on the couch reading while a scary black and white movie plays on TV. This time, not Night of the Living Dead. We don't know what it is. I'm not sure which one it was. Baby whimpers and runs off. And she's like, where are you going, baby? And when she turns back on the couch next to her, a pale, creepy ghost with gnarly teeth. And she hisses, and we cut to black. And we can assume that's Mary Bailey. Yeah, we thinking. That's what we thinking. Yeah. We, we thinking that's Mary. Yeah. Uh, I just want to mention uh, some, of the, some of the friends who are listening to the story. We've got Mick Garris, who's dressed, uh, I think, in a Phantom of the Opera mask. Uh, and he is a director known for Sleepwalkers. He created the Masters of Horror series, Critters 2, the main course, and for writing Hocus Pocus. Uh, and then we have uh, Stuart Gordon. I think he's dressed as a pirate who is the director of Reanimator, From Beyond, Castle Freak, Dagon, uh, and many other movies. And they are looking pretty bored in this scene. Yeah. Not not impressed by this story at all. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's a horror legend, you know? He doesn't care about this fucking campfire bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. You know, once you've uh, dealt with uh, Herbert West and the Resonator and the Castle Freak and the Demonic Fish God from Dagon, you know. Mary Bailey is not so scary, I guess. Yeah, that's goddamn right. So that one was pretty fun, I think. Yeah. It was fine. Pretty quick, short. Nice little jump scare at the end. So the next one is called Ding Dong, right? Ding Dong, yes. Uh, it was written and directed uh, by Lucky McKee, who is known for May, All Cheerleaders Die, Death Sember, and Blood Money. Uh, and it stars Mark Center and Pollyanna McIntosh with a cameo from Felissa Rose, who is Angela in Sleepaway Camp. Woo-wee! Let's get to it. So, we see a red hand with long black claws followed by flames and a pair of eyes before cutting to a nice suburban home. A Chiron reads, Last Halloween. A woman is looking out her window, and we see, like, uh, shadows of kids outside, and we hear laughing and, and all that stuff. As she sobs... She turns to her husband and says, look at all those children out there. It's not fair. And he says, but look. And we see that he has their French bulldog dressed up as Gretel from Hansel and Gretel, complete with a blonde wig. She says, what are you doing, Jack? Dressing our dog up like Rapunzel, thinking it will make me forget that we can't have a child. And he's like, it's supposed to be Gretel, you know, from Hansel and Gretel. She screams at him and punches him in the face. A oh, bit of an overreaction, knocking him onto the floor with a bloody nose. Yeah. Bit of a uh, domestic abuse situation, I guess. Yeah, you dress up a dog and you get fucking knocked out. So we cut back and we see that she's turned into this red and black demon, this witch wrapped in rags with long black claws. And she screams, where's my child? A Chiron reads, this Halloween. We see the husband dressed as Hansel in a blonde wig, white makeup and red dots on his cheek. He stares at himself in the mirror, seeing flashes of his demon wife in his head. We hear his voice say to himself, 
I couldn't give her what she wanted. And this is like a very kind of existential crisis moment with this guy. He's staring yeah. himself in the mirror. It's a slow zoom in on his face. And he looks absolutely ridiculous, Jill. But it's so sad. It's so sad. He's got these big puppy dog eyes. And he's like clearly this abused. He's like an abused rescue dog. Yeah. It's got a sad look on his face. Yeah, but it's, it's pretty goddamn funny. So the wife now is in a great mood. She dresses as a witch and ready to hand out candy to the children. But Jack is worried it might upset her. They answer the door and it's the kids from tr- the trick segment who carved the two couples up. Yeah, a little, little callback. Yeah. She tells him that she's been fattening up her husband to eat him just as I ate his little sister. As she reaches deep into her throat, she pulls out this blonde pigtail with a bloody ear attached to it. And she says, I ate her ear so that she could hear herself being eaten. And she cackles as she gives the kids their candy. A quick montage of her doing her little gag on different children. Somehow not gagging. <laughs> Somehow not gagging, folks. Until she sees a cute little girl with her uh, with her mother. Okay. Until she sees a cute little girl standing with just her mother at the door. She sees that this little girl is holding onto her mother's hand tightly. And this triggers the woman. So she goes back inside. And Jack tells her, maybe we should call it a night, you know? When all of a sudden, the demon's arms reach from behind the woman and slap her husband across the face. And she says, why do you make me do it? Suddenly, she's back to being happy and pretending like it didn't happen. I'm going to make cookies. And she walks into the kitchen, leaving Jack horrified. Classic abusive relationship. Absolutely. So we see some shots of the wife the demon, and the little girl. Then we see the, a cookie tray slammed down on the counter, and she says, maybe we just have bad luck, Jack, or, or maybe I'm pregnant right now and we don't even know it. The doorbell rings again, and it's a little boy dressed as Hansel. Oh, Joe, we forgot mm-hmm. one of the best lines. This is one oh, of the yeah. things that made me laugh the most, is when they're giving out candy to the kids and the, the, the first kids, right? Yeah. Uh, the husband, Jack, is standing right there, and he, he doesn't react after she does her whole spiel. And then she nudges him with his arm and he says, would you like some of mine candies? Uh, and I think oh, that's yeah. really what made me like it. Oh, yeah. She tells him not to forget his line, too. <laughs> yeah, not to forget his line. So he's speaking like this little German boy or, yeah. you know, little Dutch boy, I guess. Little Dutch boy. Yeah, probably Dutch. I don't know. So that's that was a really funny line. Yeah, so she turns into the witch right away, and uh, she tries to lure the boy inside before her husband alerts the boy's mom to come and get him. And so she does, takes him away. Sobbing, she wonders what is wrong with her before her husband says they shouldn't have kids. And then he informs her that he got a vasectomy without her knowing. In a rage, she becomes the witch demon, now with three arms, and grabs her husband, who fights her desperately, pleading as she shoves him into an oven. Inside, it's this huge oven with walls that are covered in charred toys and remains. He screams before being engulfed in the flames. Her eyes cry black tears as she says, I'm melting, and slides down to the floor. And then we cut. Yeah. I'm confused as to why she was melting. I don't know. Because she's a witch, I guess. Yeah, because she's bad. Don't you have to throw a bucket of water on the witch to melt them? I think that's the whole thing. But yeah, I don't know. Let her have this one. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, it didn't make sense The rest sense of it makes perfect sense. Yeah, so initially this was my favorite one, but I don't know. I have to rewatch it, but I, I did think um, it was really funny. And part of what made it funny was how pathetic the husband was. He really was like just such a sad sack. Oh, such a sad sack, and his wife was forcing him to speak like a little Dutch boy. Oh, incredible. Yeah, I think she just, uh, the wife reminded me too much of my mom, so I was in a fan. Yeah, that's totally fair. Yeah. Let's do the next one. This one's called This Means War. Yeah, this one was written and directed by Andrew Cash and John Skip. Uh, Cash is known for directing Never Sleep Again, The Elm Street Legacy, Isolation, and Monsterland. And Skip is known for directing a segment from Monsterland. I think that's another anthology. Nice. And this one stars Dana Gould and James Duvall uh, with cameos from Adam Green and Spooky Dan. Oh, Spooky Dan. So we open on a square looking middle aged guy named Boris wearing a cardigan and meticulously decorating his yard for Halloween. The decorations are classic fun Halloween stuff. Skeletons, ghosts, spiderwebs tombstones etc a sign reads morbid manor across the street a semi pulls up and his metalhead neighbor dante and his girlfriend watches his friends excitedly begin unloading all sorts of of gory ultra realistic props and decorations dismembered bodies entrails strewn everywhere buckets of blood it's super metal and the sign reads dante's hell a competition has clearly started with the two neighbors 
On Halloween, trick-or-treaters are lured from Morbid Manor to Dante's Hell when they start blasting some gnarly thrash metal. And this song is uh, Skinned Alive by Sacrilege BC from Berkeley, not to be confused with the UK Sacrilege. Okay. Boris crosses the street and asks Dante to, to turn down the music, but instead he makes fun of him. Boris says that he's been doing his display for 20 years, and they say, yeah, we can tell, and they keep making fun of him. Boris tells the girlfriend who's showing off some uh, some major cleavage. He says, close up the dairy. And she tells him to fuck off. He says his display is what's beautiful and what's been lost because of people like his metalhead neighbors in his display. They continue making fun of him, calling his display a spooky daycare. Boris freaks out, right? And then he runs to Dante's display into his garage to unplug the stereo. Meanwhile, Dante crosses the street and decapitates Boris's talking skeleton. Boris grabs a chainsaw from one of Dante's friends and charges Dante, who throws a bucket of fake blood on him. They begin to wrestle and fight, smashing decorations while Dante's friends cheer him on and begin to take bets. The cops pull up. Everyone is screaming, fight 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 before boris charges and tackles dante onto a broken post impaling them both the crowd gasps and then one of the cops vomits and then we uh we see them kind of struggling on the post right just kind of like still angry at each other and they're both bleeding out to death (laughs) slowly dying still mad and then uh we cut yeah this one was fun i i like this one a lot it's good Uh, it was a very it was very fun simple kind of a uh, little story about two neighbors feuding. Very, very cute and, and funny. It's a moral to the story, I think, to live and let live. Yeah, I agree with that. And don't try to compete with the metalheads in their super gruesome display. You're not going to win. No, you're not going to win. And um, yeah, you know, watch out for fence posts. And, uh, you know, don't be insecure. Just work yeah. with what you got. Yeah, you know, maybe update your your, your decorations if it's that bad. Yeah, maybe update your decorations or, uh, I don't know, move. Don't kill a guy. Yeah, yeah. This one, uh, like we mentioned, stars Dana Gould, who uh, is a stand-up comic, which we love. We love. He's uh, you know, was a writer for The Simpsons for years. That's right. Um, we also got uh, Adam Green, who directed the Hatchet movies and uh, the non-Disney Frozen as the puking cop and spooky dan who is a uh horror movie journalist uh, fx artist and director uh as one of the people in the crowd hell yeah and i will say this uh dana gould uh who i really love i i, I love his comedy and uh and everything that he's pretty much everything he's been and i i always enjoy it uh but he also had his own series that it ran for three seasons called stand against evil um that's kind of like a weird trippy horror series and i auditioned for that show by the way to play a young hitler joe yeah but you don't really have the hitler look i'm not a hitler guy but i did audition for it and i did do a hitler impression i think you would make a good young stalin though thanks man i appreciate that you know he had a similar he had a similar young stalin was a very stylish guy you know yeah i like him i'm gonna you know what i'm gonna take some fashion tips from uh stalin good looking man too you know he uh i can't get behind what he got into later (laughs) next one's called friday the 31st yeah friday the 31st was written by mike mendez and dave parker directed by mike mendez who is known for the grave dancers big ass spiders lavantulas which is lava tarantulas don't kill it and satanic hispanics yes stars amanda moyer Jennifer Wenger and Nick Princip. Right on. All right, here we go. We see spilled candy leading up to a boombox. The DJ is warning people that however terrifying they may look, there's always something worse looking lurking out there. A hulking man carrying a machete and a severed head chases a girl to a tool shed with mutilated bodies. She locks herself inside, but then the man climbs through the window. She stabs him with a pitchfork before making a run for it. He gets up and we see his disfigured face. As she runs away, he grabs a spear and throws it like a javelin, impaling her. As he inspects his kill, an alien spaceship appears and shines a light down on him. Suddenly, a foot-tall alien with a white head and black eyes appears. It's dressed in a pumpkin costume and it waves to the killer, Hi. And he says hello back. The alien says, twinkle tweet, in a tiny high-pitched voice. And he's holding a little basket. Cute little bugger, too. Oh, he's adorable. The disfigured killer doesn't have any candy and grunts angrily as the alien repeats, twinkle tweet, over and over until he gets frustrated and stomps on it. Because he's a bloodthirsty killer. He doesn't give a shit. Yeah. He's murdered a woman dressed as Dorothy, by the way. She was dressed as Dorothy. 
That's true. A puddle of white goo climbs into the girl's mouth and suddenly she lights up. Suddenly she sits up, possessed with glowing eyes, uh, with glowing green eyes and screaming in a demonic voice. The killer runs, afraid, and she floats after him before he hides in a tool shed. Yeah, she looks like an evil dead deadite. For those of you who are in the know. Yeah, I'm on, I'm not in the know. They don't glow green, but everything about her is a uh, classic uh, Sam Raimi deadite possessed uh, person. Hell yeah, Sam Raimi. She bursts in the door, floating in the air, and then she's impaled. There's a, a, a necrom... Say it, say it for me, Joe. There's a necronomicon on the workbench. Just if it wasn't clear enough that this was an evil dead... Uh, tribute yeah hell yeah so the two begin to hack each other up with different weapons chopping off their arms and blood squirts everywhere eventually they decapitate each other and their bodies fall on top of a live chainsaw and spews blood all over the place like a sprinkler and then the tiny alien pops out of her mouth and says twinkle tweet before being beamed back up into the spaceship remember that's it yeah it's a fun one short and sweet short and sweet and there's also a good comedy moment in the end when they're in the uh tool shed and they're just chopping each other's limbs off it's uh, it's very fun because it's give and take. It's like one chops off the uh, one arm and the other one goes, oh, motherfucker, you know, picks up a thing and chops the other one's arms off. And um, it's very fun. A lot of blood. Yeah. And it's funny, you know, it's uh, some very clear Evil Dead references with uh, the Necronomicon and the dead eye look of the possessed girl. Uh, and then the killer looks a lot like Victor Crowley from the Hatchet movies. Uh, nice. It's a little bit of a, a little bit of Jason, a little bit of Victor Crowley. Um, yeah and and then they threw an alien in there too yeah they had an alien so this, this, one's, this one's got everything folks it really does all right on to the next one yeah oh one thing about that one is uh there's a part where uh at the end where they're they're decapitating each other and uh the the killer clearly like saws through her shoulder into her chest but then in the next shot her head is what comes off there's no no mark going down into her torso i didn't catch this one at all oh man it stuck out to me doesn't hurt my enjoyment of it at all though so it's a it's enjoyable little short so this next one folks is called the ransom of rusty rex Ransom of Rusty Rex was written and directed by Ryan Schifrin, who is known for directing the Bigfoot horror movie Abominable. Uh, it's a fun one to check out. It stars yeah. John Landis, Ben Wolf, Jose Pablo Cantillo, and Sam Witwer. Uh, and uh, I'll talk a little bit about John Landis after we're, we go through it. Okay, so we see the alien. Uh, we see the alien spaceship from the last one uh, fly away as the camera pans down to a van with two guys inside. This is Hank and Dutch. The DJ warns that the night isn't over and it's far from safe. Um, these two thugs put on masks. We see a man watching from his porch as costume kids head out for a night of trick-or-treating. The man is a millionaire and they're going to kidnap his son for a ransom. They grab the kid while he's out trick-or-treating and bring him to an abandoned warehouse. The kid is tied up to a chair and they call the dad, Jebediah Rex, to demand a $5 million ransom. To their surprise, Rex says, you have Rusty? You've made a terrible mistake. And he hangs up. They call back, but he isn't interested and he hangs up again. They turn around and see that Rusty has escaped. They look around the building. They look around the building for him until suddenly Rusty tackles Dutch to the ground and takes a bite out of his shoulder. Rusty pops up and we see that he's actually some type of goblin type creature with pointy ears and a mouthful of sharp jagged teeth. Hank fires a shot but misses and Rusty pops out and punches him in the fucking balls. Nails him right in the nuts. Oh yeah, big time nuts uh, shot. Uh, he drops the gun and Rusty picks it up and examines it and he points it right at his own face. He just kind of like doesn't really know what this thing does. He points the gun at Dutch and Hank, fires a shot at the ground and then runs off. Dutch gets up and grabs a broken pipe, chasing Rusty, who runs around taunting him before Hank hits him with a chair and knocks him out. They wrap Rusty in a rug and prepare to dump him in a swamp. Um, and as they do, Rusty cries and Dutch has second thoughts, you know, because it sounds like a little kid crying and he feels bad. But when he unwraps him, Rusty vomits green slime into his face and, and laughs like a gremlin. And they're just like, oh, fuck this. And they toss Rusty right into the swamp. Back at the abandoned warehouse, they find wet footprints, like wet, muddy footprints in the uh, warehouse. Dutch asks, what is it? Rusty appears like on his back, you know. It's just like, uh, I don't know how you would not notice a little creature on your back. but Yeah, and then, and then Rusty licks his fucking face. Hank calls Jebediah, begging him to take him back. And Jebediah says... 
that that uh, Rusty's their problem now. He says that it showed up one Halloween and kept him hostage, and Rusty will never let them go. He warns them to make sure that they feed him, or he will eat. They bring Rusty to Rex's porch and light the and light him on fire. They bring Rusty to Rex's porch in a bag, and they light the bag on fire, and they hop in the van and leave town. Down the road, they stop for snacks in a gas station. Hank climbs into the van to find that Rusty is in the back seat eating a candy bar and holding Dutch's head in his hands. And then he bends down and takes a bite out of Dutch's head and Hank screams. And then we cut. Yeah, I didn't like this one. I I, I do. I, I found this one to be enjoyable. Uh, but I have to say that uh, Jebediah Rex, the, the, the millionaire dad, is played by John Landis, who directed An American Werewolf in London. And in that episode, we, we mentioned the uh, tragedy that took place when he was directing the Twilight Zone movie, where Vic Morrow and two child actors were killed. Gave him the benefit of the doubt there, but then I did some more research on it, and it seems like he might have had a lot of responsibility and was warned multiple times by different people Whoops. not to do the shot the way that he did it. Uh-oh. And... He was also working child actors at like two or three o'clock in the morning, which was illegal and doing a bunch of stuff he shouldn't do. And then he showed up at later at Vic Morrow's funeral uninvited and got up and gave a speech about how, you know, you say he was drunk. I think he might have been drunk. Yeah. And he was gave a speech about how, you know, like, oh, this was Vic's best work. And he was so proud of this. And now he's immortal. And it does a very bad look. Woof. Weird. Uh, he was ultimately not convicted. A lot of people think the studio might have prevented that from happening. Uh, but then his son, uh, Max Landis, is an even bigger monster. Yeah, I've heard about this guy. Yeah, so Max Landis is a screenwriter, uh, and he has been me would by multiple women. He's had multiple allegations of sexual assault, emotional abuse, being just a generally manipulative evil scumbag uh, and doing all kinds of horrible things. And it's just a weird coincidence that John Landis in this is playing a, a rich guy whose son is a horrible little monster. Yeah, that is a little parallel there. Yeah, because, you know, Max Landis is known for using his uh, his dad's money and influence as a famous director to, uh, you know, lure people in. And he's kind of like, you know, a wannabe cult leader a little bit, too. Yeah. But uh, I, if you want to read more about what a piece of shit Max Landis is, I will link the article that I found on him into the show notes. Yeah. Fuck you, Max Landis. Yeah. Just some of these like, uh, you know, makes you wonder if he uh, he terrified John Landis just like Rusty. Yeah, probably. That's who he is on the inside. He's got that little demon boy on the inside. Plus rape yeah. rapist. Um, yeah. I uh, yeah, I didn't like this one. Um, because it felt like a, it felt too much like a kid's movie, you know, Hmm. just the way that the thugs acted, it was very much like a home alone style. Yeah. Yeah. They're not very believable kidnappers. Not at all. Sam Witwer is good in other stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, he's good in being human and, uh, he was good in the star Wars force unleashed video game. Well, I think it's more, uh, attributed to the director of whoever did this one. I don't, I don't blame the actors for how they acted. I think it was just. I don't know. It just was too silly for me. That's fair, you know? Yeah. Uh, But this one, this is the last of the bunch. and uh, Final segment. The final segment and um, probably the best of uh, the whole bunch. We got to close strong here. So uh, this one's called Bad Seed, Joe. Yeah, it's uh, written and directed by Neil Marshall, uh, who was married to Axel Carolyn at the time. And he is a director known for Dog Soldiers, The Descent, Doomsday, centurion and the 2019 remake of hellboy uh the descent is one of the best horror movies of the 2010s i guess is when it came out oh hell yeah or maybe 2000s uh it's yeah it's awesome very scary movie dog soldiers is great sweet uh yeah all those movies are a lot of fun sweet uh, and it stars christina kilby pat healy greg mclean serena vincent john savage and joe dante hell yeah All right, let's get into it. So we see someone carving a jack-o'-lantern. The shots are a series of close-ups and quick cuts in the style of Sam Raimi. We see a man who's been carving it. The jack-o'-lantern is huge. He tells his wife that it's his masterpiece before she heads upstairs to get ready. The jack-o'-lantern seems to move for a second. And the guy's like, huh? 
As the wife comes downstairs, she finds that the jack-o'-lantern has her husband's entire head in his mouth. The jack-o'-lantern is just sitting on top of his head, just fucking gnawing at his head, and he's screaming. He struggles to get the jack-o'-lantern yeah. off, uh, but the, the jack-o'-lantern bites his head clean off before sprouting roots and crawling out the doggy door. A bit like uh, the head and the thing, right, Joe? Yeah, during the autopsy scene in the thing, the head like sprouts legs and then runs off very much in the same style. Yeah. So later, Detective McNally... This uh, this lady, she pulls up to investigate and the uniform cops tell her that the husband has had his head bitten clean off, possibly by an animal. A forensic investigator does her best to shove the headless body uh, into the body bag, but she keeps getting his guts everywhere. She's like trying to shove him in from like the neck part and she keeps getting like his hands stuck inside of his neck. It's a great comedy moment. This is this is the funniest of the whole uh, bunch of shorts here, uh, but it's one of my favorite moments. She just keeps getting his her hands stuck and it's like she's trying to like shove clothes into a suitcase that's overstuffed um inside the wife is freaked out and she's been talking to a sketch artist the detective asks the sketch artist what he's been working on and he says you're not gonna believe this when he turns the sketch around to reveal a children's style jack-o'-lantern sketch and she's like nice job rembrandt how am i supposed to put out an apb on a pumpkin this is this this line made me laugh out loud the not the apb pumpkin but the, you're not gonna believe this I was loving this part. Just really loving it. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's a good line. I also feel like you could just say, hey, put out an APB on a pumpkin. Yeah, yeah, hell yeah. I mean, it'd be tough on Halloween. There's going to be a lot around. That's true. You could say it. The detective is called back to the station. We cut to a mom trick-or-treating with her uh, son who's dressed as a pirate, which, by the way, a uh, lot of pirates in this movie, so many that even one of the characters... In that the the trick or treat sketch trick. and trick, he's like, why are why is every kid dressed like a pirate? Which I thought was pretty fun to kind of call out one of their own things. Yeah, I think Stuart Gordon was dressed like a pirate too. That's right. So uh, the little kid here, he comes to a house with a huge glowing jack lantern. He reaches his hand in to grab the glowing candy, and the jack o' lantern bites down on his hand, and he cries and screams for his mom, who runs up to the porch and finds that the jack o' lantern is devouring her son with only his feet sticking out of his mouth, and she screams, Kevin! At the police station, the detective is chewed out by our captain. He's ranting about how every Halloween, this town goes crazy, citing all these bizarre murders and crimes. Yeah, it goes down the list of all the things that we've seen in the movie. Yes. And he says, McNally is just the man to fix this, even though she's a woman. Funny line. So he's, uh, saying, uh, he says that she'll be booted back to vice if she doesn't. On her way out, two uniformed cops covered in chocolate and exit a room. And McNally's like, what the, what the hell's going on? And they're like, ah, a kid ate a ton of candy and then his babysitter. The guy's licking chocolate off his hand. Yeah, he's like licking chocolate off his hand. We know it came from inside. That's right. Somebody's guts. Yeah, so these cops are just like... uh, Real gross. Real gross motherfuckers. A crime lab worker stops McNally and tells her that he made a 3D D model of the bite marks. And uh, he shows like this 3D sculpture that he made. And it's it's a jack-o'-lantern smile. Big jack-o'-lantern face, yeah. Yeah. And she sarcastically says, nice work, Bob. I owe you one. And he says, buy me a drink later? And uh, this is very much, there's very many like uh, tropes. This short is very much like parodying procedural cop dramas and stuff. Uh, so it's kind of that tone. Yeah. Uh, she says uh, she'll think about it before heading out. Now, McNally is driving and on the radio, the DJ says that the witching hour is upon them and that uh, the weird, crazy, scary scale is about to go off the charts. Halloween is about to get real. It seems like Halloween has been pretty real in this town the whole night. Yeah, it's been for sure real. Uh, she gets a call to another crime scene and when she pulls up she finds absolute chaos kids are running around and screaming yards are on fire the jack-o'-lantern is crawling towards her car it jumps on her windshield before moving off and mcnally fires a shot at as it heads into the backyard but she misses she follows it only to find that the yard is full of lit jack-o'-lanterns she begins to check them all she sees one and she fires her last shot at it but it's the wrong one the live jack-o'-lantern turns around and attacks her her crime lab friend bob appears out of nowhere joe arriving on the scene just in time and he has a shotgun in his hands and he tosses her the shotgun. As the jack-o'-lantern pounces towards McNally, she fires and blows it into pieces. She says, nice timing. And he says, thought you need a hand. And she says, guess I owe you that drink. Which is uh, just a great scene, Joe. Yeah. And you know what? She does owe him a drink. Because how did he know even where she was? Yeah, because there's no possible way that he could have known where she was. And that's one of my favorite parts. He's like this nerdy guy in a, a button-down you know, blue shirt and khakis. 
running up with a shotgun. It's just a, it's just like a, a Deus ex machina moment, you know, where you're just like, uh, where did he come from? It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it popped up like the T Rex in the end of Jurassic Park. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Uh, so they inspect the chunks of pumpkin and find the one that has a little sticker that says Clover Corp Super Pumpkin 100% Organic. And Clover Corp is a uh, sort of a reference to Silver Shamrock from Halloween 3 Season of the Witch, which is a company that made uh, like haunted cursed Halloween masks that were going to that were set to uh, kill all the children. Uh, of America on Halloween. Ooh, mama. One of the masks is a jack-o'-lantern. So, they head to the Clover Corp with a warrant. A scientist, Milo, answers the door and explains he's in the middle of important work, but the cops push past him. They demand to see... Milo, played by Joe Dante. Ooh, Milo, played by Joe Dante. And they demand to see the super pumpkins, and he takes them to a darkened room. When he hits the lights, McNally and the crime lab tech are shocked by what they see. Milo says, what's the big deal? It's just a bunch of pumpkins. As the camera zooms out to reveal a vast airplane hangar-sized room with rows containing hundreds, thousands of pumpkins. And now we have the closing credits. And it says, uh, did their little, uh, we're, we're back to the pop-up style, uh, pop-up book style animations of the opening titles as the DJ announces that the witching hour is over and wishes everyone a happy Halloween. And the credits roll. There's not a single person in this movie who had a happy Halloween. Zero. Absolutely, Joe. They all had a yeah. pretty bad Halloween. Pretty rough Halloween for just about everybody involved. I can't think of one person. Maybe the lady who's told that. Nah, because even like, you know, she's going to find out her friend had her eyes ripped out, you know. Yeah. I uh, wanted to mention, by the way, in the Bad Seed segment, uh, the guy carving the jack-o'-lantern is Greg McLean, who is the director of Rogue and Wolf Creek. Ooh. Uh, and the wife is played by Serena Vincent from Cabin Fever. Nice. And uh, the scientist, Joe Dante, is the director of Piranha, The Howling, The Burbs, Gremlins, and Gremlins 2, The New Batch, as well as Small Soldiers. That rules. Super yeah. cool cameos. I didn't even know. It's fun ones. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. So, guys, that was Tales of Halloween. Yeah, I, I dug uh, it. I thought it was a lot of fun. It was a fun movie. And this is the kind of movie that you can really throw on, uh, folks, if you really want to watch this movie. Uh, and you should. It's free on YouTube. I watched it free on YouTube. Um, oh, nice. You can just throw it on at a Halloween party, and it's kind of like a cool visual um, and it's it's easy to watch. And if you're like at a Halloween party and you sit down on a couch and it's playing, you can watch you know one or two shorts. It's like 10, 20 minutes and just enjoy a little. Uh, it's just a nice, I think, kind of ambiance, you know, to put on at a, a Halloween party. It really sets the move. It's got a great Halloween vibe. You don't have to pay too much attention to it. So if you're like handing out candy or something like that, it's a good choice. Yeah. Yeah. I would say it's probably the second best Halloween anthology. Yeah. We have some picks for a short list of uh, some things we wanted to mention inspired by our friend Andrew S. So we can just go through these and Nick, if you want to give yours, we'll uh, we'll do that too. Yes. So my pick for uh, best kill of the movie uh, had to be the uh, guts ripped out and ripped out of the throat from Sweet Tooth for me. Okay. Uh, plus the, the just the mix of uh, blood and digested candy was just super gross yeah it's pretty good uh pretty good kill yeah i thought so it's you know not one that i've seen before right uh, i also enjoyed greg mclean's head getting bit off by the jack-o'-lantern oh yeah that was pretty dope i think the uh, my favorite was the dana gould pushing the the guy onto the post and then both shish kebab and themselves yeah the double uh double impaling from this means war yeah that was a fun one too yeah, I like that one. I thought it was good. Yeah, wanted to rate this one uh, on the scare meter for this one. Uh, I'm going to give this is like a two or three out of ten. Not a very scary movie. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. I think this was a very low scale. It's not a scary type of movie. It's a lot of very silly stuff. Uh, yeah, more fun. Yeah, it's very campfire stories, you know, that um, they're not going to scare you. I mean, there's some gross stuff. You'll definitely be grossed out, but, uh, you know, not scared. Yeah, there's some gore. There's a few jump scares, but they're not even really bad jump scares. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so, you know, uh, you could just about anybody, I think, who listens to this podcast could watch this one and be okay. Absolutely. Uh, the, the gore score, that's going to be one of our categories going forward. Okay. Because it rhymes. Yes. And I think it will apply to most of these movies. Yeah. So we're going six out of ten Savinis for this one. 
and Savini's uh, Tom Savini, of course, the famed special effects artist and director who did uh, Friday the Thirteenth, Dawn of the Dead, uh, many others. He was a uh, war photographer in Vietnam. Jesus. So he saw all kinds of dead and mutilated bodies, and then came back and did special effects makeup based on what he saw. So it's very realistic. Yeah, kind of the opposite of what you think a guy would want when he comes back from Vietnam. Yeah, but you know. is to recreate a, uh, some of the stuff that he saw. Yeah. Blew, blew up his own head in Maniac, famously. Yeah, right on. Yeah, yeah. One. He's also an actor. You'll see him in some movies and stuff too. Right on. I would give this seven out of uh, seven out of ten Savinis. It's got some pretty gory moments. Yeah, some gory moments. But I'm also not a horror expert, so to me, our scales are a little different. Well, it's not as gritty as some of the movies. It's not as gritty and real. I mean, the makeup is pretty good for a lot of these, right. the effects and stuff, but it doesn't have that like sort of grainy, gritty feel that makes it feel too real, where it's real disturbing. Yeah, for sure. I think uh, best or worst line, I don't know if they're the best, but my favorite, at the end, when Joe Dante says, what's the big deal? It's just a bunch of pumpkins. Yeah. Because they're pumpkins that will come alive and eat you. Yeah, it is a very big deal. Um uh- I, I, my favorite line is not a good standalone line, but in context, uh, it was the line that made me laugh the hardest. You know what? I actually, I'm torn between a couple of them. I, I really like, you're not going to believe this right before he turns out the picture to reveal it's a, a children's color pencil drawing of a pumpkin. Um, that's one of my favorites. But then I also like, would you like some of mine candies? That was really great. Uh, <laughs> that one is pretty great. Yeah, for sure. Uh, especially because he, he's being forced to say it. <laughs> yeah, totally. My favorite character overall was, I got to go Rusty Rex. Not the best segment, but I do love an evil little gremlin running around fucking things up. It's just, I'm a sucker for it. Yeah, he was cool. He was a cool character. Love, love the Gremlins movies. Love the Critters movies. For sure. Not as big fan of Hobgoblins or Ghoulies. Right. Which were some of the, uh, you know, full moon knockoffs. Totally. Uh, my favorite character was Jack the Husband in, uh, what was it called? Ding, Ding Dong. dong. Yeah. Ding Dong. Dressed up as Hansel. Yeah. Sad, that was, sad boy Hansel. Yeah, he was my favorite. He was just so pathetic that it would just made me laugh a lot. I don't know who that actor is, but he was great. Yeah, we'll find out. I mean, we say his name at some point. In yeah, the people heard it. So yeah, yeah. People can go back and... <laughs> yeah, you can go check it yourself, you fucking idiots. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so... Uh, We'll be doing these from now on going forward. Uh, guys, that was Tales of Halloween. Yeah. And, and, and by the way, folks, you know, I know it's still not quite Halloween, but we do want to wish you a happy Halloween. We really hope you have a, you're going to have a good one. And uh, we want to start saying happy Halloween because, you know, this is our Halloween. You know, these are these are the Halloween specials. These are our special yeah. Halloween episodes. Yeah. We got a couple more coming up for you. There's a few more Mondays left. And we have, uh, you know, one episode will be coming out on Halloween. Yeah. And it's uh it's a good one. Yeah, it's gonna be but a good one. Next uh our next episode will be Night of the Demons, as we mentioned. Sweet from nineteen eighty eight. Hell yeah, dude. Well that rules. Well, thanks for uh tuning in, guys, and you know, thanks for getting through this with us because uh I think we still did a great job with this episode. I think it was still fun. But you know, we were running through it a second time and um, you know. We love you for had to repeat some things. Yeah, we had to repeat some things, but we, we do appreciate you for being fans of the pod and please tell your friends. You know, spread the word. All of it helps us out. All right, folks. Well, we'll see you next week. Yeah. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. <laughs>